Welcome to Sex, Love, Power. I'm your host, Michelle Lisenberry Christensen. I'm an intimacy mentor for leaders, and this podcast is an ongoing conversation about eroticism, long-term committed relationship, and the depths of love, devotion, and longing, all through the lenses of brain science, social justice, and ongoing spiritual evolution. This is a two-way discussion with my community, which you can join for free at society.lisenberry.com. As intense, passionate people who can be highly sensitive and who want a lot in all areas of our lives, I want us to have a place where we can have the real discussions we need to have about sex and power and love. I'm recording this podcast in advance to go live two days after the U.S. election. I know a lot of people have had a lot of feelings about this election, and a lot has been said about it. What I want to give you today is a way to look at your relationship in times of upset and change, whether they're global changes like this one, or more personal changes like the death of a pet or a parent, or you're weathering a difficult season in the life of your child, or you're having job stress or a financial setback. This episode is to help you see what happens for couples during these times and to invite you to find your way together in ways that deepen your connection rather than tearing you apart. We're going to talk about what happens, what we can do about it, and what we actually need. So what happens in difficult times? Well, we can feel really lousy. We're struggling. We're in pain. We're upset. We're hungry. And that can leave us forgetting our relationship skills. We're not on our best behavior. I think of Mr. Rogers, you know, we're not doing what Mr. Rogers taught us to do. Communicating really well, being as kind as we can to one another. We aren't at our best. And as a result, we can hurt one another. I think of being in a marriage as being like, it's like we're naked in a phone booth with Edward Scissorhands kind of hands. You know, there's sharp knives and everybody's naked and we're really cramped in here. We're so close that the sharp parts of each of us are just always in peril of hurting the other, especially when we're intense, sensitive people like I know I am and a lot of my listeners are. So you may wind up feeling hurt by your partner simply because you started out so raw in the first place and you may end up hurting them simply because you're so raw and therefore aren't on your best behavior. So we want to have just a mountain of grace for ourselves and each other inside this. And then at another level of danger, we can forget that what we're upset about is what we're upset about. And we can start to make it about our partner. It so often happens that because our partner is there at the end of the day when we're most depleted and because our partner is our safe place in truth, we bring our mess to them. I think kindergartners are a great metaphor for this. When I had a kindergartner, I remember her teacher telling me, the same wonderful teacher was both my kids' kindergarten teacher, and she said, it's totally fine that they fall apart at the end of the day. They're learning a lot. They're stretching a lot in kindergarten. And when they come home, they're safe. And that's why they have meltdowns there. It would worry me far more if they melted down at school and couldn't fall apart at home. So we fall apart at home. We fall apart with our person, our partner. And that's wonderful that we have that. And it's a little unfortunate because unlike with a kindergartner where it's clear who's the parent and who's the child in an intimate partnership, I want you to be reliable for me so I can fall apart. And you want me to be reliable for you so you can fall apart. So where's the grown up? Who's the container and who's the contained? It's not always clear. And for us to get the containment we really need, we do have to take turns in the hardest of times. Even if those turns we're taking are micro turns, I get a minute and then you get a minute and then I get a minute and then you get a minute. If we can become that facile and fluid and switching back and forth, I'm going to listen and contain you and you're going to have the big feelings and I'm having big feelings too. And so in a minute, can you hear me contain my big feelings? If we can flow like that together, then we can both get the safety and containment that we need. So let's talk about that. We've been over what happens. Now, what do we actually need? 
in these difficult times, we need to feel seen and heard. We need to feel like we make sense. We need room to unfurl our emotions and our thoughts and our worries, our fears. We don't need to indulge in those. We don't need to run away with them. We don't need to go off into flights of fancy or future trips. But if we can quite intentionally think of like emptying a basket, you know, if you were decluttering, you went around the living room and you gathered all the things that belong in other rooms and put them in one basket, then you could go and go through other rooms where those things belong. Go into the bathroom and take these things back there. And oh, my jewelry case, I need to take these things there. This goes in my daughter's room. You could empty your basket. And that's what we need to do when we're raw and jangled at the ends of these days. We need to empty our basket. And I try to do that with people other than my partner first so that he's not getting that first layer at the end of the day when we're in the kitchen together. He's just gotten home from a long day at work and a commute and I've had a long day of work and helping our kids with school and we're both kind of wrung out. I want to be in a place where I've already gotten some hearing and seeing from myself and from other people. So a journal is a great way to see and hear yourself. Meditation time is a great way that you can think of as you seeing and hearing yourself or the divine seeing and hearing you. And talking with trusted friends, training other people to listen to you and just hear you is a really powerful investment in your intimate relationship because it gives you what I call the portfolio effect, a way to get your needs met that doesn't rely on a sole source provider that is your partner. It lets you get nourished from different places. And just as that friend is then turning to you for that kind of support rather than their spouse, we build this web of support for all of our relationships by having numerous deep, trusting, intimate connections. So we need to feel seen and heard. And we looked a little bit about how you can get that. We need to feel like we make sense to our partner. So there is a way that even after we've kind of gotten things up and out and emptied our basket, we need to be current with them and have them see us. So that's where stress reducing conversations or what do you want me to know? So that's where the what do you want me to know question can be really valuable. This is your chance to give your partner an update that might be pretty succinct. If you've already gotten seen and heard elsewhere, you can say, I'm feeling really nervous about this thing and I'm sitting with that nervousness. I'm just creating a space for that to be my companion. You know, you've created a piece around it. You're not needing help with that right now, but you're letting your partner know about it. The next thing we often need is to be contained and to get help regulating ourselves. So this is a completely different situation. You are not just reporting in. You are saying, my basket is overflowing and I need help. So this is something that in my relationship, I used to not know that I needed this. And it was tremendously painful to be falling apart and to not have any way to kind of know that my nervous system was so dysregulated that I couldn't pull myself back together. I didn't know how to help Kurt help me and he didn't know what to do. So when I learned what I need right now is regulation and his body can help me do that, it was a huge breakthrough for us. So in other episodes, we've talked about self-regulation and what I'm referring to here is co-regulation. We mentioned under the self-regulation toolkit, some of the ways that your partner can help you. For instance, laying on top of you, being a human weighted bag to help your system calm down is one way that your partner can regulate you or spooning, lying behind you, putting their arms around you and holding you tight as you kind of get to curl up in a fetal position is a wonderful way to continue. If a partner can ground themselves and imagine being like a stainless steel bowl, huge bowl, 
just holding everything that you throw into it, not taking anything personally, not thinking they need to solve anything, just containing it all, letting you get it out. And it sometimes it reminds me of barfing, you know, just hold the bowl and hold my hair back while I throw up because it's a little bit like that. And what we don't need is to go off. We don't need to have room to throw up on our partner or at them to make things about them that aren't about them. We don't need our partners to take the blame. We don't need the problem to be fixed or answers to be provided. And here's the subtle part. A lot of times when we're feeling anxious, for instance, about something really big like national politics or the environment or the future of the world economy, that kind of free-floating anxiety, that generalized terror that can come up when there's things that are that far beyond our control, our mind doesn't like that level of ambiguity. So it wants to hang our anxiety on a tidier hook, something closer to home. Hmm, what's really close? What's right here? What could I hang my anxiety on that would be tight? <gasps> you! We could look over and there's our partner. Hello! You're my problem. That can be far more convenient. Remember, the brain uses so much of the energy of our bodies that it doesn't want to be such an energy hog. It tries to conserve energy by taking shortcuts. This is why there are so many fallacies in our logic. And one of the biggest things we do is take big problems we don't know what to do about, shunt all the anxiety from those, put it on over on something closer to hand like our partner and say, I have a problem with the way you load the dishwasher because that feels simpler to our brain. So remember when you're thinking about what you actually need in these times of high anxiety, you don't need the things you might think you need. You need these basic things to feel seen and heard, to be contained. You don't need it fixed, you don't need answers, and you don't need to blame your partner. But there's one other thing that we often do need, and I think we've all seen this at times, and it's sort of an old adage like, sleep on it, you'll feel better in the morning. We often need rest, but the real thing that we need is time. We need time to calm down. When we're at our most agitated, when we're feeling scared or tired or raw or hopeless or helpless, we just need someone to be with us or to be with ourselves and know that someone will be there when it's all over to give it time for it to change. Because every feeling is a wave. They rise up, they swell, they might feel like they're going to blot out the sun and take over everything for all eternity, but they don't. As they swell, they crest and they subside. That's how waves work. They rise up, they swell, they crest, and they subside. I used to live in such terror of my emotions. I really thought that deeply feeling them would swallow me whole, that I would not come out the other side. If I started to cry, I would never stop. If I started to feel my fear, it would absolutely devour me. And what I've learned is that feelings are kind of like meals. You got a gut full of something. It's just a matter of time until you've metabolized it. You need the time to metabolize it, and you might need to not do a whole lot else for a little bit to give yourself room to metabolize it. So be it. When you've given yourself the time, it's going to look different, and you will know better what to do. So not making decisions, not making accusations, not making demands during that time when we're most aroused inside an emotional response is a really good idea. Because what you actually will need to have be different, you know, if you need to move to a different country because of what's going on right now, if you need to change jobs, if you need to have a different spouse, if you need... <laughs> Massive changes. Those needs will remain apparent weeks from now. Don't make any decisions when your lid is flipped. 
when you're in a state of huge upset. And don't say a lot of things that might cause damage. Settle down and give yourself the time and ask your partner to help you have time to calm down. So what can we do for one another? How can we draw closer together during these challenging times? I mentioned at the beginning, we need a ton of grace. What we can do is extend grace to ourselves and to one another. I get that you're having a hard time. That's why you're being such an asshat right now. I'm kidding, but really, like, if your partner has been misbehaving and you can see that they're really feeling it about something that has nothing to do with you, you get huge bodhisattva points for extending the grace to go, oh, that wasn't about me. They didn't mean that. And it doesn't make you a doormat to give them that grace. I used to think it did. It doesn't. You can ask for grace, and that doesn't make you a bull in a china shop. You're not saying, put up with me, no matter how badly I behave all the time. But you can say, I'm sorry, I'm not myself today. I'm going to do my best to bite my tongue and not take this out on you. But I'm sorry if I don't have my best to give. Sorry if I'm not as kind or resilient or thoughtful as I'd like to be and as you deserve. We can also be humble. I think we need to not presume that we're doing great and other people aren't doing well. We need to not assume that we are supposed to be doing great, that we're supposed to keep it together no matter what. We're all living through a pandemic right now. We're living through some unprecedented political situations, and we are living inside an ecological disaster that is irreversible to some extent now, and that we don't really know how to survive. So it would make sense for any reasonable person to be struggling on certain levels some days more than others. So have the humility to just struggle and let yourself do that. Above all, we need to turn toward one another. One metaphor for this that Kurt and I found years ago, when we were both still really working on just healing, we were both kind of wounded, traumatized people trying to grow up together. And sometimes we were so snarly with each other. We just saw it's like, we're like two wounded dogs we pictured junkyard dogs who've crawled underneath the same rusted out old pickup truck to lick our wounds. You know, I crawl in there thinking I'm going to find a place that's safe so I don't have to get in another dog fight right now so I can just lick these wounds I've got. And I kind of back in there and wiggle in and realize, ah, my backbone's up against this other dog. And, ah, man, he's, ah. And then I realize, oh, yeah, he's not my next fight. He's kindred. We're under this same truck together. And we're just going to lick our wounds here. So we can just companion each other. Even when we don't have a lot to give each other, we can just say, I know you're hurting and I'm hurting too. I see you. I get you. I wish I had more to give you. We're going to make it. And those are not the glory days, you know. It doesn't feel like you're on a mountaintop. It's kind of a dark valley. But truly, I believe that these are some of our finest moments when we struggle together. And it's not pretty, but we find the dignity and the beauty inside it. And then finally, may we always remember that as tempting as it can be to hang our anxiety on the hook of that handy nearby partner and think that they're the problem, they're not. Remembering that our partner's not the enemy. They're not the cause of our hurt. They're not the cause of our fear. They're not the cause of our anxiety or our exhaustion. They're just a handy target. And they might be letting us down. We might want things from them that they can't give, that no reasonable person could give, but that our fantasy partner would give. But something Kurt and I used to joke about when our kids were really little is you know, when we were having trouble with managing all of it, the full catastrophe of a toddler and each other and work and everything, and we would get bickery with each other. We would look at each other over our kids' heads and kind of one of us would wink and go, we're not the enemy. They're the enemy. <laughs> we would whisper it. They're the enemy. 
And it was so fun and transgressive to be like, yeah, our kids are the problem. And it just reminded us, that joke reminded us that there's not really an enemy. We're struggling, and this is what life is, is struggle. And that doesn't mean we're doing it wrong. And we can stay gentle and kind and hopefully even find a sense of humor through it. So that's what I've learned, and I'm still learning, and I still need to hear all of this about how to stick together and hang together through difficult days. So I hope this episode brings you some comfort and gave you some actionable ideas for walking through hard times in your life in a way that brings you real partnership with your beloved. And I really hope this is just the beginning of our conversation about this topic. I want to hear more about your experiences and your successes in this area. I want to hear your inside jokes. The Secret Society of Turned On Women over at society.lizenberry.com is a great place to ask your questions and tell your stories and get more prompts to explore emotional connection and intimacy in this crazy world. Come join the conversation at society.lizenberry.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail at 206-659-9865. That link and that phone number are in the show notes at lizenberry.com slash episode slash 012. Are you subscribed to the podcast? You'll want to be so you never miss an episode. Please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and hit that subscribe button so that you always get notifications of new episodes each week. If you've enjoyed this episode or others, it would be wonderful, and I would be so grateful, if you would leave a review, particularly in Apple Podcasts, because those are a huge help in finding new listeners and growing the positive impact that these conversations can have. So please, go leave a review right now with a few words about what the show gives you. I would so appreciate it. That's our show for this week. I'm so grateful that I get to be here with you to convene this conversation and support you in being at your best, even when you're not, in cultivating a way of being and a relationship that are magnificent, even when there's mud on our faces. I'm thrilled at the privilege of living this miraculous, messy life and at getting to companion you through it as well. I'm so grateful we're engaged in this conversation in such joy. I hope this episode has helped you in some way, and I hope I get to see you back here same time next week. Until then, may the light within you illuminate the world around you.